welcome to The Effect Podcast, Season 3, Episode 10. The circle is now complete. I'm Dave. And I'm Matthew, and we have an exclusive interview with uh, for you this episode. Oh, yeah. It's an interview with Matthias Johnson. Help me with this, Dave. <laughs> so, so, Hark... Well, so, so, Matthias, so Matthias, we apologise in advance if we completely murder the pronunciation of your name. We should have asked you how you pronounce it, but I think, and having asked my wife, who is Swedish, uh, that it should be Matthias Jonsson Hawker. I think. Hawker, yes. Anyway, the game director for Free League for Coriolis. And also for Simbaroom. And but for Simbaroom. It's Coriolis we're talking about in this episode. Yes. Well, there is some Simbaroom in the interview. Well. And we do talk some Zimbabwe. We do, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but this is in celebration of the recent news that they have acquired the full rights to the IP of Coriolis from the rights holders Paradox, to whom Matthias and his gang in in Yarnringen had sold it to when they'd when they'd folded Yarnringen the first time. Uh, anyway, we, he'll tell you that story when we get onto the interview. Yes, and what is it's the culmination of what. Matthias is saying it was a long and slow journey, uh, but they've got there in the end, so they can do what they like now with Coriolis. And all the details of that interview, so that's actually what's going to be most of this programme. Yeah. But before that interview, we have got a little bit of news in the world of gaming, and of course we have our Patreon backers to thank. We've got a new Patreon backer, Mark Nash. Who uh, who joined in January and uh, well, thank you, Mark, for becoming welcome, a Mark. Patron. Yeah, fabulous, excellent to have you on board. On to uh, the world of gaming, though. Uh, have you got any news, Dave? Um, well, th- uh, my news is that I think you've got lots of news, haven't you? Yeah, I've got loads of news. <laughs> Go I on, I'll give you an opportunity. Now you kick, you kick off, uh, and if I think of anything in the meantime, I'll um, I'll shout out. Well, one of the one of the bits of news is something that I forgot to say last time we were doing World of Gaming in December, and that is the news uh, that made me very excited, although also slightly disappointed, uh, from Chaosium, and that is their acquisition of the rights to do a role-playing game based on the books that are commonly known as the Rivers of London series. Mm. Do you know yes. anything about those? Have I have I ranted to you about those You've, before? You you ranted to me about those when we were at Dragon Meet. Um, so all I know about those is what you've ranted at me about. So not very much because I tune out when you start ranting. So uh... okay, <laughs> yeah. So the Rivers of London is a police procedural with a magic cop in London, and what makes it spectacular <laughs> is that you really get a sense of place from uh from reading the books uh it's got some great uh great adventures and great characters and i thought there was a role-playing game in it ben aronovich it turns out the author is a role-playing gamer of old Hmm. but he had very specific designs on who should be his role-playing game designers and it was chaosium he's been a runequest player apparently for many years so i was hoping that maybe you know uh, freely could uh, get that job, but no, Chaosium have got it. So that's ah. the news I wanted to say from December. Cool. 
the other thing that's come out in the last time, it, I've talked on the podcast before about troubleshooters, but there's now a quick start of the troubleshooters role-playing game. So people want to have a look at that. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. That's coming from Helmgast. Even though it's a Swedish game, it's in English. Helmgast are the guys who did Cult, by the way. Uh, it's not, unlike Cult, it's not going to be a, a Powered by the Apocalypse game. It's got its own system. Uh, I've only read it. I'm not convinced by the system. But what's the, the, um, the so so? What's the uh, what's the setting and yeah? What's the system? What and why? Why are you unconvinced? So the setting is the thing that interests me most. It is a setting based on French and Belgian comics of uh, the Tintin variety and that sort ah, of thing. Okay. Hergé's Adventures of Tintin. Exactly. So I... you, you are a band of international troubleshooters ah. in a vaguely 60s setting. Uh, one of you drives a 2CV, which is the thing that first grabbed me to see <laughs> my red 2CV on the front cover of the uh, um, of a role-playing game. That's the only reason I'm going to buy it, in fact. Um, <laughs> and that's going to come to, quick, uh, to Kickstarter quite soon. But there is a quick start for you to try uh, the system. So I'll put a link to that. Yeah, okay, cool. Do you have to have a little blonde quiff when you play that and a, and a, a pair of incompetent twins going around with you? Uh, you can have... Uh, well, I thought, Dave, that you could play the incompetent and I'd play the boy detective. <laughs> so a, a complete reversal of what normally happens then? Um, <laughs> maybe. I feel I'm falling into a trap here. Yeah, I feel you might be. I, I would want to play... Now, I've got to find out his name now. Um, Tintin had a... Um, uh, there was an old professor... Who used yes, to go and help Professor him? Professor C- C- Cornelius or something. Was it Professor Cornelius? I. Um, it's a long time since I read Tintin. Professor I went Cal- to the movie Cal- there with a big red and white calculus. Pro- Professor, Professor calculus. calculus, yeah. Yes. Ah, yes, because I've I've still got some of those books some stored away somewhere, like hardback ones from when I was a kid. I love those; they were brilliant. Yes, I can see some on my shelf now, which are my two favourite of that Tintin sequence. The Secret of the Unicorn and yeah. Red Rackham's Treasure. Yeah, well, that, that was a I love those. That was a double story, though, wasn't it? That was two parts of the same story. Those two. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they did. Um, one of my favourites was the the Black Castle, which was uh, mm, at, the at, Scottish at, one. At the end, there was a there was a, an escaped gorilla on it that was marauding, but in the end, Tintin made him his friend. Mm. It was very good. Anyway, one of my least favourites <laughs> was Tintin in the Congo, which is a bit. Not, shall we say, politically correct. Yeah, i i went I went and saw Star Wars the other day, and I'm not. Gonna oh get, yes, not going to go. Uh, well, no, nah, meh. It was fine. I enjoyed it. Um, but it was just. It was kind fine. Of, That's exactly what it was. It was, it was fine. It was kind of a remake of uh, Return of the Jedi, but um, anyway. Yeah, but with um, fewer dancing. Uh, uh, dancing teddy bears. Ewoks. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the point I was going to make, they they put a trailer on for the new Dr. Doolittle movie. And oh, yes. I, I remember years ago, um, I had the original book of Dr. Doolittle, and that is mm. so racist. It is just... <laughs> I mean, you couldn't read it now, because it's just... But, you know, written in the, what, 40s or 50s, 30s maybe? Um, it just really charts the, the way things have ch- changed. But it was just... And it's yeah. a kid's book. 
you know but it was yeah. just completely and utterly racist without uh without um uh you know a, a hint of shame or anything i guess which you didn't get back or in the back in the day you know but yeah anyway just on your comment about tintin in the congo yeah of course, talking about Star Wars, there was also some news about uh, Fantasy Flight that's been yes. out in the last couple of weeks. And that's a good segue. Um, we didn't plan that segue, but that was a really good segue. Well done, mate. Well, yeah, I thought I thought that's the only reason you mentioned Star Wars. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I was blithely blathering on about bullshit, and uh, you turned it into a great segue. Well done. Excellent. Well, anyway, well, that, yeah. I, I, well, it's, that's the professional I am. But sadly, it's of bad. Of course, what it's we shouldn't be doing is dissecting the segue. That's entirely unprofessional. <laughs> I know. Why do you think I did it? <laughs> <laughs> to ruin my career. <laughs> um. Yes, fantasy Next flight. Next stop I was hoping for was Radio Four, but now, now you've spoiled it all. Sorry. Um, as, as yeah. Usual. So Star Wars. Uh, so Fantasy Flight, who produce. Uh, the Star Wars role-playing game and the new edition of the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game. And quite a lot of other among stuff. Among a be. bunch of other board yeah. games. Uh, very, they some... have apparently kind of shuttered their RPG apart, uh, department. Yeah. Do we know, uh, and do also we, their do we know interactive why? section. Do we know any more about it? Well, I, I, a little bird has told me that it's more of a reorganisation. Right. Um, we have we have friends in the wider company Asmodee, uh, and uh, somebody told me that it's more of a reorganisation. And actually, as far as the RPGs go, it's a merging together of two teams. So uh, some people have been laid off, yes, but others have been brought into the team. And as far as our friend knows there is a continuation of the role-playing games L5R and um, Star, Star Wars. Wars. I guess at least as long as the Star Wars licence lasts. At yeah. some point, I'm sure, just you'll be wanting to review that. Um, but yes, I don't think it's as dangerous for those games as people might have first thought. It's not that they're yeah. giving up no fun RPGs. No fun for the poor people being laid off, but uh, no. at least for, for fans of the games, it's it's better news than it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's all the news I've got in the world of gaming. So shall we crack on? Let's crack on with the main event of the day. The circle is now complete and Coriolis is back with the, 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 the man, the men, the people who started it in the first place. So we're here to welcome Matthias from Free League to Hello. the interview room, uh, <laughs> Hamam, as we call it. And it's a really special occasion because we're doing it to celebrate Free League buying back the full intellectual property of Coriolis. And Matthias, you've had a longer history with Coriolis than most people are aware of. People think you joined Free League with Simba Room. When when Yarnringen uh, merged with Free League, but actually you were with the old Yarnringen when they created Coriolis. Is that right? Yeah, that's so true. Uh, <laughs> first, uh, a little yay! Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, uh, no, this is a great day to to. I mean, we announced this last week. I think um, it's it's been a, a long, slow walk. Mm. Uh, a struggle, a lot of uphills and and uh, gravels to to traverse, 
uh, on the way, but we are finally here and we are super excited to mm. finally regain possession of our world. Uh, because as you said, um, we started in, in January and started developing Coriolis in, I think, 06 or something like that. Um, the, the, the ideas were maybe one or two years younger than that, or now older than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, and today, today we we will once more have the opportunity to do exactly. We will we will <laughs> get to make Coriolis into exactly the game we want it to be. Excellent. Now let's just do a little bit of history. Yeah. Um, Coriolis is a science fiction setting. What science fiction games were there before 2006 then that they were playing in Sweden? Uh, actually, we, we come from a tradition of fantasy gaming, uh, uh, the whole Jan Ring and crew. Uh, so, but we had, of course, Star Wars. Uh, the dice pool version, the, mm. the Western uh, games. Version. Yeah, Western yeah. games. Uh, we had Traveler. Uh, we played a little bit of. Um, we played a lot of board games set in in uh, in sci-fi universes, but and obviously we had all the movies and stuff. But but when it came to to role playing role playing games, we mostly played played fantasy games mm. okay so what was what was the motivation then for Jan Ringen when you started developing Coriolis to 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 explore science fiction I'm I'm pretty sure I'm accurate in saying that Coriolis as a concept is the brainchild of primarily two of my colleagues back then uh, namely Matthias Lilia and yeah. Martin Martin Greep. Yeah, both of them them are now, as I am part of Free League. Uh, we we were working on uh, the predecessor, you can say, to Mutant Year Zero, uh, called Mutant Heirs of Doom, Undergångesalvtagare, yeah. and but we felt that we were we wanted to make a brand of our own. Uh, an original IP, and we, I think, <laughs> we have discussed this after the fact quite a lot. I, I think it may be that we, the reason why we didn't do a fantasy game back then, is that it felt a little bit daunting, first of <laughs> all, uh, to do, you know, to 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 take on the genre that that we all loved so much. Mm. Mm. Uh, and the second thing is that we, of course, we were quite afraid to drown in the, the because the market of fantasy role-playing games is what it is. Yeah. Was there so, um, a sense that there was uh, like a gap in the market? There, were, there was a desire out there for a good science fiction game that, that things like Traveller and Star Wars just wasn't meeting? Really, I cannot remember if we had any kind of market approach to the any discussion sense, yeah. because because we back then we I mean it was purely a labor of love. We, yeah, we, we 
Yanringen, the, the old version of Yanringen existed for about a decade and we didn't earn one cent from it. We just, <laughs> we just yeah. des destroyed our, <clears throat> we had a lot of fun. Uh, dis destroying our leisure, uh, you know, the, the, the off, off hours between studies and, and later on trying to build some, yeah, kind of careers. Uh, so, so no, I, as I remember it, that discussion yeah. was never on the table. We, we just wanted to do a really cool IP and we settled for, and I, I think, Again, the, the primary motivation came from Martin wanting to to draw, illustrate mm. you know, sci-fi, uh, a sci-fi universe, and Matthias wanted to write one. Yeah. So that's where where it all started. And in one of our early episodes, we interviewed Martin and Matthias Lilia, uh, and Matthias was talking about how he was influenced by Event Horizon. Yes, as right. a film and yeah. um, also how he wanted to make space a bit like the desert and that's how the whole mm. Arabian theme came in. Um, yeah. Maybe a, a, a <laughs> uh, something of, uh, you know, speaking about the past is always constructing the past and uh, <laughs> yeah. designing it so you, you can tell us but, whatever you like uh, about, yeah. you know, and, this and, fabulous like, well-planned <laughs> history of uh... and the same goes for you guys i mean uh, <laughs> yeah that's probably how it happened yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> or it was it, it was that martin just happened to do uh, draw uh, draw some some concepts that were arabesque in in style and Matthias picked up on that and, you know, went for the more uh, Arabian yeah. nights in space kind of. So what you're telling us is it was a complete accident then? No. I am joking. So you created a, a great game uh, that with uh, an inspiring world that a bunch of other people who were to become free league later on were big fans of and and then they started supporting it with fan produced materials is that right yeah exactly uh it was primarily nils karlean and costa costalos mm -hmm. maybe yeah Chris, christian granat as well the, the graphic designer yeah uh i don't think thomas was he he came more from the mutant Heirs of Doom, Year Zero, that, that part of, yeah, that's the connection we had. Um, uh, and yeah, at about, I don't remember an exact year, but late in the first decade of this millennia, we decided to close shop. Uh, Jan Ringen was to be no more, and we had this brand uh, that we, of course, wanted to see not only survive but to be further developed. Yeah. So what we first did was that uh, one of the co-founders of Jan Ringen uh, is called Fredrik Wester, uh, and is the 
or was the CEO of Paradox Interactive, a computer games company here in Sweden. Uh, and we offered him, or rather Paradox, to, to, to buy uh, the IP. So as, a, as a means of making happened. sure it survived. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I also worked a little bit together with them, creating uh, a lore guide for the game and so on. And and uh, but already then, I think we were uh, maybe we already had an agreement with what was to become Free League uh, that they were allowed to continue. And they they licensed licensed it from Paradox. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. from from Jan Ringen first, I believe. Okay. Then when we sold it, the 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 ownership transferred, but the uh, also the license, the right to, to create uh, create role playing games uh, followed along. So, so had Paradox? So did they have a did they have a particular plan or an idea about what they wanted to do with it, or were they happy for for yeah. like the, the 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 nascent free league guys just to take it on under license? No, they they were in need of uh, an an sci-fi IP, absolutely. Um, yeah. Not only Fred, but uh, many working at the company already had fallen in love with the setting of Coriolis. Mm. So for a long time, we me me and a couple of the guys, brand managers over at over at Paradox, had lengthy discussions about what to do with Coriolis in terms of digital productions. Uh, and in the end, I don't know that any of those games were ever made or the games may have been made, but set in other, I, I don't know if- Different if, settings, yeah. Yeah. And I really don't know why that that is a question for the paradox brand team, but maybe it has to do with the arabesque flavor or they were looking for another kind of of style to the games they were making at the yeah. time but the 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 discussion never died out I, I mean Coriolis was top of mind, maybe not top of mind, but it was in mind. Uh, in the production team for for all the years, Paradox had it. That I know for a fact. They were yeah. constantly searching for a game concept that would fit this this typical uh, uh, this kind of universe. Uh, and that that's, I mean, one of the cool things about working with designing settings for role playing games is that you create so much content, so much lore, so much style so much mm. history and so on uh, that what you end up with, with is is a really solid base for doing almost any kind of pop cultural you know game or, or, or indeed movie or board games and novels and whatnot mm. uh, so how, how much of the uh, the setting that we see in the latest version of Coriolis how much of that was all there in some form or another in the original version? Because um, I think one of, the, one, of the, one of the things that, that, that we notice and that a lot of the fans uh, talk about is there is so much depth to, to, to Coriolis and the setting that in, in some senses it, it, it intimidates people because they just don't know where to start. 
For others, it's like, okay, great, I can just jump in and then make it my own. But there's lots of it there. So I guess, yeah, I mean, my question was sort of how much, how much of that was already there back in the day? Yeah, uh, speaking to you who know a thing or two about Symbarum, <laughs> de developed by the same team as the original Coriolis brand, yeah, uh, I'm sure it will come as no surprise to say that, yeah, there was quite a lot of depth, uh, <laughs> and and also with uh, yeah. girth, maybe. There <laughs> 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 uh, was, uh, I mean, a lot of what you find in the Third Horizon in the Free League version uh, is not only inspired by, but reused or yeah. i mean the, the the universe was already there yeah what, what free league did when they they made they, their version of the game was to expand on it even yeah. further uh and and uh, they have done so with with maybe maybe making it even more complex and even more <laughs> frightening uh, uh, that that's not for me to to say but but i mean uh, I guess Coriolis is that kind of game that that re requires a, a either brave or very experienced game master who who knows that. I mean, whatever you find in the Third Horizon, uh, in the terms of the, the the existing books and adventures and so on, uh, that's your toolbox. Yeah. The, the the third horizon that comes to life at your table is of your making. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, talking of uh, the early early bits of the third horizon that were there in the Unringen's time, mm. uh, the story goes that Mercy of the Icons as a campaign was conceived in the Unringen days. And indeed, if you look at the credits for Mercy of the Icons 1, there's quite a few writers named in including uh young Jan Yen Yen Riggen staffers. So yeah. was it a campaign that was was being developed back then in those early days? Oh yeah. Uh and the first part, Mercy of the Icons part one, the the MSRI Lost, mm -hmm. uh we had actually a full uh, draft in Swedish back then. We, we never translated uh, yeah. anything. So we had a full draft and we had actually also com commissioned illustrations. Martin had done some and we had uh, a guy named Magnus Falgren also helped us back, back then. So, uh, but the, the mercy of the icon that you see today, uh, or let's, let's turn that around. Uh, the mercy of the icon part one that we wrote is about half of uh, the one that was later published. Right. So it, it, it's up until what happens at the sanatorium. <laughs> okay. I can say without spoiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a, some, some addendum or some appendix with, with, uh, with a, a journey to to a, a station circling a gas giant, okay. I can say <laughs> as well. So, uh, but but the later parts of uh, the published book uh, was not in our original plans. Okay. 
but then we had we had uh, we had uh, what do you call a high concept when it came to the campaign as a whole. Yeah, the team that that developed uh, Coriolis uh, first, and that also later now have have uh, developed Simrom. We are quite fond of building our world worlds centered around and building them for uh, some form of a high narrative or mm. uh, which often turns into to a more more or less uh, sequential campaign or chronicle because mm. so. so, so, one thing I was going to ask was having having had Coriolis being your your baby back in the day and then handing it off to somebody else for for a number of years um, and now you're game director for Coriolis again um in those intervening years and this may be a totally unfair question which you might want to dodge um <laughs> did they take it in a way that the 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 you back then hadn't anticipated and didn't did you I mean did you have a, an idea where you wanted it to go and have they has it gone in a way that's sort of gone in a different direction uh, I can answer this in complete honesty <laughs> uh, because I am no I, I need to think about this the, the thing is <laughs> I, I, I think when we finally let go of not only Coriolis but of making games when we mm. closed shop back then uh, <laughs> it was this sounds silly, forgive me for that, but it, it kind of hurt thinking about what could have been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we, or at least I, never fantasized about what we could have done with, with Coriolis. And looking at, I mean, the mercy of the icons as a whole, uh, from a perspective of a, of a game director and editor today, mm. I must say that you are in for a very, very interesting ride, guys. <laughs> uh, and I'm super, super happy with how this will play out. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we are, I know we're going to talk about Mercy of the Icons uh, a little bit later on in this episode. So we'll save a bit for that but but I'm, I'm 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 really really happy what they have done with coriolis yeah absolutely and I, one thing that's maybe of interest to you and maybe to those who listen is that when we restarted jan ringen to make symbarum one of the first things we did even before releasing symbarum was get get back in touch with paradox and ask them if we could have if we please could have <laughs> our baby back yeah. uh, and by, back then you know free league was all already working on releasing the core book and and so on so so we but we we didn't care we just wanted back the ownership right. <laughs> we wanted our yeah. baby back uh, and then that discussion uh, went on for i mean th this was maybe 2014 yeah today it's 2020 and we are that that's the, the that whole long walk cross gravel that i was talking about uphill yeah. all the way. So, so, you always, so you always had a even even when uh i guess the answer in 2014 was no 
Um, yeah. you've, always, you've always kept that ambition to get the IP back. Oh, yeah. One day, yeah. So it was always in your mind. Was that something... Um, did that... And, and, and I, I, I must say, this, this was not purely an ambition for, from, from the guys at Järnringen. Free Lee, the Free League yes. guys also wanted this. Yeah. Back, back then, and, and since the merger, I mean, we've, we've just turned up the heat, <laughs> and finally they, they, uh, they folded. <laughs> I, was, I was going to ask, was there some thinking that the merger would actually add some strength to your argument to get the IP back? Was that a part of the decision-making? No, no, it no, was, no, uh, no. But but we had some hopes that that it would help us in, in gaining control of the, the IP. Absolutely. Yeah. And what 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 tipped it? So what what some um, sort of free re, free league yen ring and magic did you weave <laughs> to get Paradox to change their mind? No, I, I think this again uh, is. A, really a question for for Matthias Lilia and he would answer very defensively and, and <laughs> with lots of of, uh, of mystery <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no uh, because again he he uh, he works at Paradox. yes yes so i'm i'm guessing he he stomped in slammed his fist on the table and said <laughs> This is it. Now you're going to let my baby go. <laughs> <clears throat> no, <clears throat> that's just yeah. how I imagined it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what does it mean, though? I mean, practically, for the new Free League with, 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 the, with Team Yenring and part of Free League, what does it mean to get the IP back? What does it give you that licensing didn't do before? Okay, first it brings us joy, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the most important. That's, thing yeah. Yeah. No, but it is really, really important. Yes, you absolutely. know, working working on anything that you feel an ownership over is a little bit more rewarding than working on someone else's brand. You can't yeah. you can't close your eyes to that fact. So, yeah. uh, and also this is a brand that we all really, really like. So, um, I must say that Paradox hasn't been, I mean, like dictators telling us what to do and what not to do. It's nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, we, we've had, com I would say, complete freedom to do what we want with the role-playing game side of things. Uh, owning the license, aside from it making us a, a little bit more uh, you know, invested in mm. in the stories told and in the products made. It also gives us an opportunity to to branch out. If we if we someday want to do that, maybe make board games or whatever. Yeah. I mean, owning the IP lets us decide what where to take it and and what to do with it and. And we have, we have so many ideas and so many, <laughs> I, I, I should say, say, a lot of needs, mm. actually. Things we feel that we need to do. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's a lot of possibilities as well, adding to that. So, so hopefully, 
I, I know that you Coriolis fans <laughs> have had some complaints about the, the, the tempo at which we are producing new stuff for the game. Is that well, let's cool? not call them complaints, but actually this, this, this ties in a bit with, with your other job as well. Yeah. We've seen Mother of Darkness is just hitting retail even mm. as we speak. Mm. But we've seen uh, chapter after chapter after chapter of Simbaroon getting churned out mm. every few months, it seems. From, from <laughs> team <laughs> I think uh, churned is the wrong word. Beautifully produced and Beautifully crafted out. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I called it a sausage machine yesterday. But, I don't, I don't <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's been great. It's been rewarding uh, for Yarnring and GMs. There's been something new to read, it feels, mm. every couple of months. Um, and I guess for, for people like me... A couple you know, of months. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it right there. Uh, no, okay. Um, yeah, but but I, I and I think maybe one of the reasons for this, but I, I mean you cannot fully compare those game lines because Coriolis has been part of Free League, who has had four other brands to manage. Yes. Simrom uh, yeah. is a Jan Ringen product, and we had only this one baby to take care of. So uh, not maybe very strange that we could produce more products per year but i i, I also think uh, believe that even if not consciously uh licensing a game is different from owning it yeah uh in that when it comes to situations where you need to you know prioritize uh, you have five or six possible products that you want to produce and then you, you build some kind of, of uh, release schedule. Yeah. A game or a brand or a product uh, that, you, that are ours will, I hope and think, uh, gain a higher priority just for the fact that you feel more invested in it. Yeah. So, so that may be, I, I'm not saying that this is why uh, it's taking so long for the products of Coriolis to, to hit the shelves, but this, it, it may definitely be, again, we are creating histories, we're going along here. Yeah. So yeah. again, I, I, I think it may be a reason that, that the production schedule has been uh, so sparse. So, and I guess also the, the, the actual each each installment of the Mercy of the Icons is in is an enormous book in itself. I mean, there's an awful lot of work going into producing a book yeah. of that size and that scale. Um, if you were doing smaller, you know, uh, scenarios or whatever, it would be easier to put them out more quickly. But um, it, yeah, it's on an it's on an, <laughs> on an epic scale, isn't it? So it's on an epic scale, and Coriolis should be. And I think that's one of the things that people like about it. Yeah. Uh, it it has that grand uh, epic tone uh, that is one of the things that also makes us love it. I I just had a quick idea. What in terms of what you could do with now you own the license? What you mm. should do is license it out to Paradox, and they can then make a computer game. Uh, of Coriolis that replaces Freelancer. I don't know if you've ever played Freelancer. Oh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, uh, okay. and I've, ne I've never found anything as good as that. 
um, of that ilk. So uh, a Coriolis version of freelancer, I'm in. I'm, bu- I'm buying that. <laughs> no, but that's that's really interesting because one of the things, uh, let me put it like this: uh, in two weeks, uh, free league. Uh, are having its its yearly uh, start of the year meeting uh, going away to discuss the you know future future. plans and and whatnot and one of the the main things to discuss this year is Coriolis of course so uh, and and whatever comes out of, of, of that discussion whatever type of products we will see in the future it will uh, it will not be an old free league uh, product it will not be an old jamming product it will be the combined uh, minds of yeah. the, the new free league <laughs> that that decides what Coriolis is and will become but I will because you named uh, mentioned freelancer uh, <laughs> I will champion more, <laughs> more. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, airship battles. Uh, you know, small. Oh, uh, I, I completely lost the word. Like spaceship battle, like fighter. F- fighter battles. You know, quick, uh, small. Dog, dog fighting. Dog fighting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> In space. That that's one of the things I want more of. Cool. Because that's also one of the things I really loved back when we were young and played played the West End Games version of of, uh, of Star Wars. Mm, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> okay, cool. so, so so yeah, and I also I love that game. I think about it. I would say often. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. I I've I've always been looking for the next best freelancer and you've had star citizen and then you had elite dangerous and but none of them none of them did it none of them got I right agree. there totally agree. yeah anyway we digress but it is an interesting thing isn't it about controlling the ip because um obviously uh free league took uh, a license to Mutant, which has been around for a long time, but they didn't mm. own the IP. And that means basically all your creativity on Mutant is actually owned by someone else. So we saw a version of, uh, of Free League's Mutant appear in, in Road to Eden, the, yeah. the computer game. And then I remember actually uh, everybody's uh, slight surprise when we saw a miniature skirmish game at UK Games Expo mm. last year which was based on that computer game. And although it's based on all the work that Free League had put in on Mutant Year Zero and Gen Lab Alpha and stuff like that, it was, it was distant from them. It was, it was their work being used to illustrate it, yeah. um, but they didn't own the IP. So I guess that is one of the things that you can do with Coriolis Now You Own Everything, is if there is a chance to make a new freelancer, you know, your creativity will be so much... Um, better rewarded for everything yeah. that happened to Coriolis now that that will encourage you to to do more creative stuff. Yeah, uh, and again, I unconsciously mm. to to a large extent, it, it, just the feeling of knowing that whatever we do for this game from here on out is ours. 
that that's that's uh, that's definitely something that contributes to 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 you know both both the joy of producing the stuff and also uh, the want to actually produce new stuff for it. Mm. Okay, and uh, you've got a new job, haven't you, Matthias? Uh, is it brand director of Coriolis? What's your What's your official title? Yeah, I think I think uh, in English we call it game director. Yeah. Game director, right? So, what does that actually entail? What are you going to do as game director? <laughs> We are a very, very democratic company. <laughs> so, so what it basically means is that uh, I get final say on creative decisions until the other guys think I'm doing a poor job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they will replace me with someone else. <laughs> and that, that's exactly how it is. That's how democracy works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, and does as a, just just as a short aside, what does that mean for Simba Room and your work on Simba Room? Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> again, I mean, being game director is is mostly an, uh, a question of, of uh, accountability in some sense. Uh, I mean, someone has to take responsibility for stuff happening with the brand. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I will do most of or even part of the actual work, you know, on creating uh, adventures or whatnot. Now, uh, that's what I, I call myself both game director and editor. Because right now I'm working closely with, with, with Rika Damsoya as an editor on, on uh, Mercy of the Icons mm. part two. So uh, uh, hopefully it will not mean anything for either game. Uh, probably they will have, as, as I, we've already uh, established, there are some similarities in scope and tone between Symbarum and Coriolis. This, if you want, massive amount of, of, of setting, of lore, of... <laughs> Of good stuff to delve into. Yeah. I, I actually saw uh, uh, a very positive review of of Symbarum the other day, and one one of the it ended with some some you know uh, references saying that you shouldn't you should buy this game if you dot dot dot, and then <laughs> you shouldn't buy this game if you and one of those things were if you don't like to read. <laughs> uh, and I think it's safe to say that the same goes for Coriolis, mm -hmm. that uh, hopefully we, we produce books that, I mean, that play or a game that plays really, really well, but that has some kind of added value for those who really enjoy delving into the, the artwork and texts of, of, the, the, of the setting. And they're, I mean, they're both such rich settings. Um, and so the artwork just uh, really bring, throws into sharp relief how, how, how deep and how, how rich the settings are. Um, you mentioned um, that you've got your, uh, uh, your sort of annual um, yeah. free, free league love-in to talk about what's coming up next. So clearly, yeah, there's obviously decisions to be taken there about the future of Coriolis. But is there anything you can say about 
what the the fans should expect to see or what kind of things you might want to be looking at in future? Uh, well, first and foremost, we have the, 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 the episodes, remaining episodes in the Mercy of the Icons. Yeah. Uh, and that is what we are focusing quite heavily on right now. Uh, the first episode, or, or the second one, <laughs> rather. Yeah. Uh, I will... I will probably see a full draft of the Swedish text uh, before that meeting. Okay, well, that, that's, that's what I'm hoping. It's it's uh, it's nearing it's very close. Yeah, yeah. It's very close. Uh, also, uh, at the turn of this month, after that meeting, I know that Martin Grip will start working on the artwork for. Or Mercy of the Icons yeah. Part Two. Uh, so Martin is back in business. Me, I, I'm I'm back uh, as an editor. Obviously, I wasn't part of editing uh, the first episode in the series. Uh, so a little bit of of the old team is re-entering the the tray. <laughs> With your permission. Uh, yeah, yeah. Martin, Martin begged on his bare knees. I, I just couldn't say no. Is, is, has, he, has he had enough of drawing pictures of aliens? Yeah, I, I think he has, you know, the, 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 the Smurgos board of, of, yeah. of cool uh, settings that he yeah. has on his table right now. I th- I, I'm, he's a quite a happy fellow. Yeah. Yeah. So he can pick and choose a little bit, but but you know when when it was decided that we were uh, acquiring reacquiring Coriolis, Martin was one of the guys who, who shared the loudest. Nice. Uh, so so he's yeah. really really uh, psyched to to start working on it again. Yeah, brilliant. That's brilliant. So most of the icons two is uh, as you say you you you're looking at the the first Swedish draft being complete. Mm. So uh, time scale that that then takes to publication. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to hold you to anything. No, but very good (laughs) that you asked that because I don't think people generally appreciate how long it takes the post-production phase before we are, but but our aim is to uh, see it in on the shelves definitely before the end of the year. And that's probably what I dare promise. Uh, but there is nothing stopping us now from releasing it earlier, if if possible. And, yeah. and our ambition is a little bit braver than that. I can tell you. I can tell you as much. <laughs> but without, without committing to anything on tape. Exactly. <laughs> Managing expectations. <laughs> the life of a publisher. Uh, and particularly an RPG publisher, because that audience, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. they get so cross if you delay <laughs> But then the, the idea is that you will not have to wait for as long to see part three. Mm-hmm. Right. So we will probably once uh, you know we have the draft and we have started the translation. We will probably start working on part three immediately, straight away, right? Uh, and what that means is, again, without 
without promising it, <laughs> over committing, I, I, I dare uh, hope in a release during next year. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, cool. And so, um, will you be looking at crowdfunding the production of these in the way that uh, we did most, most of the Icons 1? Most likely not. Ah. Uh, because, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we <laughs> we we do maybe today too many crowdfunding efforts, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also there is uh, Coriolis is today such a strong brand in itself. Uh, the same goes uh, with lots of other titles that we previously crowdfunded that it's not entirely uh, possible, uh, impossible that we will do, for instance, the next part of the, the Symbrom Chronicle uh, as a pre-order instead yeah. of a... Because we, we, we actually, we tried this with, with the Alien game, mm. not crowdfunding it, but doing a pre-order. And we... we created a, a special site for the pre-order and and so now we have the tools actually to not to launch stuff in a in an interesting way without having to do uh, a kickstarter i was gonna say is your is your your preference would be to do the pre-order route if you've got the confidence that you've got enough market out there is that is that the Rather than because then obviously with a with a crowdfunder you are you are mitigating uh, the risk that you don't get uh, you don't get such support, which you will I think you know uh, every, yeah, yeah exactly is... honestly honestly I I don't think we are afraid it, the Kickstarter is a fantastic tool when you have a product that you can essentially expand in absurdum you know <laughs> absurdly many you know add-ons and 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 stretch goals yes. and whatnot. When you have a product that feels, you know, more focused in its scope, like right. a part of a, a, a campaign, yeah, uh, maybe the the, the pre-order option is at least as good. The better way, yeah. Mm. Uh, so just uh, touching on Simbaroom again. That's been crowdfunded for every one of its expansions. Do you yeah. see? Symbaroom going down the pre-order route, maybe with the next one as well. Yeah, as I said, it, it's entirely possible. But the, these are questions we will discuss now in in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So so uh, if 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 it turns out that we will actually do uh, a, a a crowdfunding campaign for Mercy of the Icons Part Two, it is most likely because we have imagined a lot of cool. You know, extras, extras, so add-ons. Yeah, to that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Cool. Uh, so, but we will, how and and in what way and when we will start pre-order or Kickstarter, or whatnot will will of course be announced as soon as, as we know. And yeah. maybe you will will be in on on the announcement cool. as well. We're yeah. very happy to help you announce. Yeah. Anything. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We're always always up for a scoop. <laughs> UK Games Expo. You've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, Matthias. Um, the plan is to um, uh, to bring over a good crowd from Free League for that this year. Uh, we are looking at the same team as last year, so it will be Martin, me, and Nils. Okay, cool. Mo most likely, and and maybe a couple of gents 
on the other side of the, the mic here as well. All right. <laughs> well, we're uh, certainly um, available, willing and keen. Yeah. Uh, more than absolutely, yeah. Um, do you have a sense of um, any any? So, I mean, last year obviously uh, we had Alien and sort of promoting that early. Is there a, is there a kind of theme that you've got in mind for for this year? Is there probably again again this will this will be further discussed in in a couple of weeks. It's two but, weeks too early, yeah. but but if if you are familiar with our production schedule a little bit, maybe you are. Uh, so Vassen is... Uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I, I haven't heard anyone say this uh, explicitly, but it should be a good timing for at least uh, demoing and, and, uh, and showing off a little bit uh, from Vassen. I, I, I'm not sure that we will have it in print by then, but maybe. Right. And of course, the big thing you need to do at UKG is collect the prize that you're going to win for Alien for best role-playing game of the, uh, of the year. Uh, yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> but, but what I can say as well is that being the, the game director of Syndrome, we will have the Game Master's Guide, most likely. Yes. And I'm super excited to hear what you, among others, will, will say about that one. Because it's, it's not uh, at least why a lot of it is is uh, is not simrom specific but deals with you know game mastering designing game worlds and designing chronicles and <laughs> sites and so on so it's actually a game master's guide rather than a game master's guide to simrom yeah but then there are a couple of sections yeah. with more yeah. rules related stuff so but especially the first section is will be very interesting to see how uh, how it lands good idea yeah well, I mean, one of the things that we, we've ended up doing on the podcast more than once is giving GM advice to new GMs. So mm. having, having a book that is focused slightly more on helping a, a new and perhaps slightly nervous GM get their first game under their belt is a great thing, I think. Really good idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really fun writing. It. Yeah, it, it's, uh, that, that section is <clears throat> at least in part based on a lecture that me and Matthias Lilia has had a couple of times on conventions and such here in Sweden. Oh, cool. So, so yeah, it was nice sitting down, writing it down, killing a lot of darlings on the way because otherwise you would have had like <laughs> four volumes instead of <laughs> one section in one of them. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, the Game Master is what makes makes a role-playing game mm -hmm. uh, in essence uh, we can only do so much when it comes to providing material but the game master is the real hero of and and, and you know the hero of the boom the role-playing games boom that we are seeing right now mm. yeah so uh, maybe you can do that seminar when you visit uk games expo as part of their seminar ah, that was a good idea actually yeah <laughs> yeah i would love to yeah <laughs> So I've got so my final question is one that you've already told us before we started recording. You can't answer, which is <laughs> other new exciting things are coming from Coriolis. But I'm going to frame it in a slightly different way. Uh, there are a few. Please things, do, please do. <laughs> there are a few things that um, the the fans have been asking for in the various forums and things like that. And I thought I might just 
throw them at, at you and we'll yeah. judge from your vocal reaction whether there's any chance. <laughs> <laughs> this is a test of your poker face, Mr. Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very good thing that we are capturing video. <laughs> I will hide under the table right now. <laughs> so uh, one of the things actually that uh, I thought was quite an interesting uh, idea a lot of people have asked for is a sort of player's guide. And they talk about the fact that the Coriolis rule book is great, but it's full of lore and it's full of secrets as well that you might not as a GM be wanting your players to know. It's not divided up like things like Tales from the Loop and, and mm. Mutant Year Zero had very much a stop reading now if you're only going to... Yes. It doesn't have that. So is there an idea about maybe producing a player's guide with a stripped down version of the rules and you know enough to get you going for character generation? A little bit of lore, but, but none of the secrets? Uh, my facial uh -huh. res response to this question uh, indicates that I think that's a really, really good idea. Okay. <laughs> Something maybe you'll take into the conversation in general. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Yeah. Now, no, the, again, I, I, totally honestly, there are a lot of ifs and buts when it comes to the future uh, release schedule of Coriolis. And that's why I'm not telling you it's not like i i know exactly what we're going yeah. to do and i'm i refuse to tell you uh i can't tell you because we haven't decided yet yeah no, that's fine that's absolutely fine um I'm sure there was one other thing that people said oh are there any old uh by which i mean yen Ringen version one coriolis scenarios or something that have not yet been translated into english that you'd maybe like like to see even if you haven't yeah uh we we obviously had a lot of of ideas and and coriolis being what it is you know as soon as you wrote a paragraph about somewhere or some faction or something uh we always try to write in a way which inspires to conflict or you know plot hooks or intrigue or whatever mm. uh, so and and obviously we in our minds we saw different scenarios playing out, but we we all the the, the scenarios that we actually wrote and published in Swedish, I think have been translated and and converted to the free league version. I'm a little bit unsure when it comes to uh, no, I think the Mahanji Oasis also has been released, right? That rings a bell. Yes, that has come out, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. along with uh, Aram's Ravine and a couple of others. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that 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 makes me quite sure that because you know after we released the core book, we quite immediately started to to talk about maybe closing shop. So we that's why mm. we never released uh, Mercy of the Icons Part at, uh, One, uh, even though it was all but finished. You know. So, uh, but. Uh, one of the cool things about Coriolis, and I hope you as game masters uh, feel this too when reading the, the, the lore, is that there are so many interesting stories to be told in that, that setting. Uh, our idea back when was primarily to focus on, because we, we tend to work thematically when we, we design game worlds. 
Uh, and, and one of the things we wanted to explore and, and discuss and talk about in Coriolis was the, the clash of cultures or the, the meeting between cultures, uh, which is obviously enormously uh, relevant today too. Yes. Uh, and those sort of stories, I mean, they are hidden away in, in every part of those the, the the books that have have been released to date and i i can't, again cannot promise anything but it wouldn't surprise me if me and or matthias lilia uh embark on some uh, adventure writing uh, <laughs> project in the not too far future uh we we really would love it both of us so that's cool uh, yeah and we look we, forward to that yeah I had one last question, okay. if, if you've still got a couple of minutes, Matthias. Um, oh, yeah. So for the last few months, um, Free League has been working on the Free League workshop, which is just about to open any time now. Um, and uh, Nilsson, you have all been encouraging fans to be um, putting Coriolis content on there. And obviously that started, I guess, before you got the IP finally. Is there... Um, is there any kind of concern or opportunity there for you as the game director of Coriolis now about the direction that some of that might go or whether, whether some of that fan content might cover stuff that you intend to cover as kind of Coriolis canon? I, I fully understand the question. Uh, but from, from our perspective, because this is obviously the same for all our brands, uh, no matter if we we own them or if we license them uh this is only a good thing yeah uh having an official channel for fans of the various games to to release their own material is super <laughs> i mean it's because people and this also will help alleviate some some uh, you know we often have to say no and that never feels good yeah. and, and i mean not we don't say no to adventures that people send in we we have to say no to even read them because we don't have time yeah maybe one day when we are a, a, a giant in the <laughs> giant industry of role-playing games we can make time for you know uh, other stuff than commission work because that's what we are doing now we have a staff of freelancers that we we, we when we know we want to make a certain product we have a staff of freelancers that we rely heavily on and that we enjoy work no uh, we know them and have worked with them before and so on this way, what may happen, I'm not saying it will happen, but what probably happens in this kind of situation is that we will discover other potential freelancers for, mm. com for commission work. Right. Uh, so, oh, this uh, man or woman has written these really cool Symbrom or Coriolis adventures. We should get in touch. So, so 
that's one way to look at it from from a business perspective looking at it from a brand managing perspective and and you know public relations perspective it's perfect because it's it, it gives people a chance to contribute to the game lines and to to be you know not only fans but co-producers in a, in a really good way and then you always need to have because all, all the community content always comes with sort of a i don't know if it's called a disclaimer or not but yeah it's it, it clearly states that uh, the content is not necessarily in line with the official uh, you know version of the game or whatever yeah. Yeah. so uh, and each game master but the thing is, that's true for our books as well. Each game master <laughs> can pick and choose. Yeah, they, can pick, they should should yeah. pick and choose. It's not it's not laws. <laughs> it's yeah. not like you would be punished if you change the name of a character or if you <laughs> change its destiny or if you, you want a, an adventure to play out somewhere else or whatever so now i i think it's only a good thing cool well thank Ex you very much Matthias, for taking the time out of your busy day juggling no, two <laughs> great brands uh for for free league and talking to us um, yeah it's been a delight as always Matthias. yeah the same the same <laughs> uh, i could do could do this a couple of hours more <laughs> <laughs> Not joking. Well, same time next week then. I'll <laughs> well, tell you what, may, maybe we'll call you back in after you've had your meeting yeah. and, and beat you until you tell us all the great plans <laughs> you've got. That sounds, sounds, sounds like a plan. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. Uh, thanks, Matthias. And look forward to seeing you at UK Games Expo. Yay. Yeah. And look forward to seeing our fans too at the UK Games Expo at the Free League stand. Of course. Okay. All, of your, all of you are most welcome. It's always great to, to chat to Matthias. Um, and it's lovely uh, that they could spare so much time to, to chat to us about, uh, you know, what clearly is something, um, again, about which he's really, really passionate. And it's great to hear all that. So really looking forward to interviewing him again in a few weeks' time, a month or so. Listen out for that, folks, because... Um, as you said in the interview, hopefully they might have some slightly more concrete things to to be able to tell us. But that looks um, really interesting uh, development, and it's great that Coriolis is back with the people who 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 gave birth to it in the first place. So that's excellent. Also, really looking forward to seeing them all at the UK Games Expo, and more than happy to, uh, in fact, keen, delighted to be part of Team Free League again. Um, at uh, at the expo. Was that enough of an invitation that we can book our hotel room then, do you think, Dave? Well, I'm going to want to go anyway. Um, so yeah. I, think, I think booking the hotel room is, is fine. But I think that sounds like enough of an invitation. And it's, um, yeah, let's let's confirm it cool. with the guys, see what they want us to do this time. But um would be great to see them. Yeah. Also, it's worth pointing out that Thomas was going to join us and in the end didn't. Something else came up. But... Um, because of that, we had to upgrade our teleconferencing. And uh, thanks to the support of our patrons, we have uh, upgraded to Zoom, which means that we can be doing video conferencing a bit like uh, I did yesterday. So yeah. we may do more group interviews. We might start looking at streaming and stuff like that in the future. 
Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So we do have our YouTube channel now that, uh, if you're not aware, that we put up the podcasts with the um, YouTube's um, software that puts up uh, subtitles. Subtitles, they're yeah. not They're not great. They get things wrong no, quite a not. lot. But they, they, are, they do give you an idea. Certainly if you understand the context of what's going on, they'll give you a pretty good sense of what's being talked about. Um, but yeah, so we have that now. And now we've got Zoom. We've now got the facilities. So we might do a little bit of um, flirting with YouTube, perhaps. Oh, flirting on YouTube. I think there's a whole different channel for that. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, is that what we're going to put up? You and me flirting? <laughs> no, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to see it. I definitely don't want to see it. But as a shout out to all our listeners, though, if there's anything particular that you think you would like to see um, that we could make use of YouTube for, then let us know through the usual channels. And we'll be delighted to uh, to, to do stuff that, that, that people specifically ask for. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Now, uh, talking of interviews, though, coming up... Hopefully, for the next episode, there's an interview with somebody who I know is very close to your heart, <laughs> and that is a fellow writer of Alien, the role-playing game. Indeed. Uh, the, uh, the the great Drew Gasker. So we're still in the process of finalising arrangements for that, um, but I think Drew has uh, agreed in principle, but we just need to work out the right time and place. But it would be brilliant to chat to Drew. He's obviously had such a huge influence on the Alien game. He is the man who knows the canon. He is the consultant for Fox who uh, deals with all the canon for them. So uh, it will be brilliant to get a chance to chat to the man face-to-face, as it were, over the internet. And yeah, get his side of the story. It will be excellent. And I want to know a little bit about his life in gaming as well, which is Absolutely. a question we always used to ask our... Yeah. Uh, interview, uh, interviewees when they first came on online. Um, what else are we going to talk about next time? Uh, you have got an interesting new alien campaign going on with your home group. I'd like to hear about that. So, yeah, I've just started um, doing a colonist campaign based on some rules that I've put together, um, which may or may not form something um, more formal, hopefully. But, yeah, we started that. We had session zero. And yeah, I'll talk about that in a bit more detail next time. Next time. Excellent. Uh, So it looks like our next episode, this has been very Coriolis heavy, but it looks like next time it will be all about Alien. Until then, it's um, goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. And I don't think much of your chances, but you have my sympathies. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.